Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw. On this Monday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? We were noting uh, during Eric's Sports Center update there that yeah. pretty much now, anytime I hear the word San Diego, and I think you're the yes. same way, it's just we think of Anchorman. And Anchorman. The thing. San Diego, named San after a. <laughs> That's where no, you it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's yes, it is. <laughs> movie is. Mm-hmm. That movie is iconic. Mm-hmm. Movie yes. is really iconic. It's fun. It was funny. It was. I mean, that movie's. Working on fifteen years old, probably yeah. about fifteen. They showed it at the journalism school as like a like a fun little movie night. They're like, "Hey, look at the they take on the journalism industry." <laughs> so, was, just real quick, I'm watching. I don't know if you guys watch Netflix, The Night Agent. Fantastic, The Night Agent, The Night Agent, absolutely fantastic. Top show on Netflix right now, The Night Agent. So good. So good. I got like two episodes left, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, real good. Really good, huh? Really, really okay, good. It's good. Like, like t- a, it's a 10. Really? Oh, it's a great TV uh, show. It's a great okay. TV show. The, the Night, Night Agent. Agent. Okay. We're going to give that a shot. We're going to yes. give that a shot. All right. Highly recommend. Uh, usually we save all this stuff for the end. You know, yeah. what are we going to watch tonight and all that stuff. Good yeah. night, everybody. Are we done? It's time to go home. That's it. Oh, no, we're just starting. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Birds and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Over the ball on the left side. Back to Durant. Shovels it in the corner. Okogi for three. Shazam! Hooker dribbles past Alexander, who reaches in behind him, knocks it away, gets the loose ball, tries for the dunk. It's blocked from behind by Durant. A recap of the weekend that was from the Phoenix Suns, if you weren't paying attention. The first one was Josh Okogi's dagger three against the Nuggets on Friday. And then Kevin Durant's chase down block from behind of Shea Gilgis Alexander what a yesterday. Block. So what, a block. what a play. What a play. What a play. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander like, looked like, I got fouled. No, you didn't no, get fouled. No, you didn't. No. That was a great play by Durant. There were flaws in both of those games, and that's undeniable. But they won both, and the Suns are on the verge of locking up the number four seed in the Western Conference yes. with the wins they got yeah. over the weekend. Denver on Friday, yesterday against the Thunder. Yeah, Where do you five want to start? Five in a row. Let's start with the, let, let's start with the Oklahoma City game, because that was the latest. And we'll touch on Denver at the end. Uh, an amazing game for Durant. 13 out of 21 from the field. Knocked down three three-pointers. 35 points, five assists, five rebounds, two blocks. Now, the, pro- the problem with that game is it became a lot harder than it should have been. That game should not have been that difficult, but it ended up being very, very difficult um, because they made it that way. So, you know, that's it's just they allowed... They allowed Oklahoma City to climb back into the game when it looked like they had it won, right? They were up big. They were up by 14 at halftime. And I just going through it, I mean, the only thing keeping Oklahoma City in it was Shane Gale, Gilgis Alexander kept getting to the free throw line. 17 to 17 from the line in that game. Yeah. There was another factor, too, in that game. That was the offensive rebounds. The offensive by rebounds Oklahoma were a big they, factor. They, they, they were kept getting them, yep. Killing the Suns on the offensive glass. Yeah, yeah they, they did. Them. They did. Uh, you know, and, and it was a close game with five minutes and 17 
nine seconds left. Isaiah Joe hits a corner three, and Oklahoma City has a cut to three. Now, a couple times earlier, they had cut it to four, but a five with three minutes, you know, five minutes left, it's a three point game. But a corner three from KD, beautiful pass from Paul to DA inside, and then DA with two more free throws. I know you want to see DA get the ball down the stretch. I know you were happy, I was. you know, with, with that, with the, the two man game between Paul and DA. DA getting to the free throw line, and then it, it, they end up winning the game. Paul hit a huge three. I think that was the one that put it away for, with about a minute and eight left. He hits a three to put him up by 10, and then that was the game. So hard fourth game, right? It wasn't easy. No. Oklahoma City's battling. They're playing for something. They played hard. It wasn't easy, but the Suns come away with the victory. No, it was, and you're right, it was a lot harder than it had to be, and it was because of the free throw disparity, and it was because of the, the second chance points and the offensive rebounds. The Suns didn't do a very good job in that category. Um, I, that, that to me, was, I, I mean, not that we need to know why they got Kevin Durant. We don't need to know why. We It's, it's self-evident. But that game, I think, is Exhibit A, Your Honor, in the case for why Kevin Durant is such a welcome addition to the Phoenix Suns. He dominated that game in the fourth quarter. I mean, just dominated it in ways where... If it's not just the chase down block, which was the play of the game, if it's not those two corner threes that he's hitting when Chris Paul's finding him, but just that gravity that he has offensively when he's over in the corner and he's hit a couple of those and that guy's got to stay with him, that's what opens up DEA to get that inside action, right? Mm -hmm. That's what opens up Chris Paul to be able to find DeAndre Ayton on that inside action. And that's where Kevin Durant, that whole fourth quarter, was like, okay, mine, I got this. I got this game. Y'all don't worry about it. Fine, we'll take Kept care of it. Big shots, big shots, big shots. I mean, he got fouled uh, on a drive after Paul missed the three. Uh, he hits both free throws. He hits the corner three with 6.19 left. They're up eight. Hits another corner three to make it 112-106. I mean, you know, he was great. He grabbed the rebound uh, when William misses, and then D.A. had the dunk from KD. That was another D.A. basket. So I think six points from D.A. inside the final, like, four and a half minutes. So that was good to see. I know you're big on, you know, getting him involved. I mean, he even overcame the two missed free throws by Koji there. But, you know, it, it was an interesting game. I mean, they, boy, they hate him in Oklahoma City. Don't yeah, they hate Kevin Durant? I, you know what? And did you, Man, you read some of the quotes loud. afterwards? Here's Durant after the game on getting booed by the OKC fans. I mean, I understand it. You know, it's a, uh, I meant so much to the community and just for me to leave like that. Early on, I didn't get it. But I, I get that NBA team is a part of your community. A player is so entrenched in your community. Um, you know, you feel closer to him, so I get it. I mean, it's still emotions, and still some people who uh, don't like that I left this, this franchise, but it was more love this time than it has been in the past, so uh, I just focused on that. Reading some of the quotes afterwards, Monty Williams, quote, I'm surprised at how many people, why they boo him here. Devin Booker, yeah, it's been seven, eight years now. That was my rookie year. People just want to be heard, man. I don't know what it is. He did a lot for this organization. It was constant. Every single time, he touched the ball sure. the whole game. Do you, blame, do you blame him? I mean, he was theirs. He was their player. He left to go win a championship somewhere else. He took that team to the finals. I mean, he he could have you know he could have been a legend there, but he didn't want. It. He wanted to go leave. Listen, I mean, we've. I'm sure there are Phoenix. I mean, is there a an example of a Phoenix player that that left and got booed? And wasn't it oh, Joe, Joe Johnson? Joe Johnson, right? Joe For Johnson. The first several years he came back. Yeah, every it was time always he touched booed. the ball. He got booed. Right. I just always okay. I get it. 
and I'm not saying fans don't have the right to do it. I just think by the third quarter, it's like like you're kind of eye rolling, right? Like I'm really still. We're doing this, you know. Like you want to do it? You want to do it the first few times he has the ball? Okay, fine. Every single time. I mean, it's it's exhausting just keeping up with that as a fan. I'm trying to eat my popcorn. I'm trying to drink my beer. I'm trying to enjoy a game. I've got to think. Oh, 35 has the ball. Boo! Hmm. Boo! You have nothing better to do. You have uh, absolutely no better way to spend your money than just show up and boom. Anyway, he was great. 35 points, five rebounds. Uh, the uh, Suns win OKC. Let's touch on a Denver game. Yeah, that game was a mess. Um, they won, but a 27-point third quarter lead becomes five with about three minutes to go in that game. No Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr., no Contavious Caldwell-Pope, no Jokic, who's missed three games now. And they were able to come back and you know make a game of it. I mean, that was that was a lot harder than it needed to be, that basketball game. And the Nuggets were down by 27. And again, the offensive rebounds, right? Yeah. The offensive rebounds were another big thing. They got a lot of points off of offensive rebounds, a lot of points in the paint. And they were able to get back in that game and make the Suns really work hard. Yeah, after that game. Monty Williams. We dropped our standard in the third quarter. That was it. And what I told them was we, we don't have enough games to do that. We got five, six games left. So every time we step on the floor, it's got to be with great attention and intention. Yeah, and, and he said something similar last night, too. But I was almost more frustrated by the Denver win. If you can get frustrated by a win, if that's even a thing. I was more frustrated by the Denver win than but I, I was Oklahoma City. Because Oklahoma City's got something to play for, right? I mean, Denver was very clearly like, okay, white flag. We give second night of a back-to-back. We're not playing anybody. We're not tr- we're not trying to win this game. Right? We don't care if we win this game. And then they got a taste of, they got close. Yeah, and, and Oklahoma City had everything in the world to play for. Still does. I, I was more frustrated by performing like that against a team that had clearly waved the white flag before the game had even started. And the Suns, Monty's not lying, man. They just dialed back that intensity almost too far back. It was, they were lucky they didn't lose that game. And that would have been a really bad the, loss the, if they had. The bench, the bench was not good in that game. The no. bench really struggled in that Denver game. They let their foot off the pedal for sure. Yeah, no, they did for sure. I mean, you look at Biombo had a decent game. Everybody else, Cameron Payne didn't hit a shot. Terrence Ross didn't hit his shot. T.J. Warren struggled with his shooting as well. Yeah, it was what, what, it was a struggle. Let me ask you, what did you think about the way he used the bench in the OKC game? I thought campaign's foul troubles forced him to try some different things a played little bit. Played seven bench players. Played seven different guys. We saw a lot of Landry yesterday. Twelve minutes. You know, in kind of that secondary ball handler role to see what he could do. We saw the reintroduction of Ish to a certain extent, got, right? He, he, he got been, eight minutes. Yeah, he'd been kind of a DNP the last few games. We said it looked like Monty was kind of back into that experimental phase a little bit. Try He had settled in to what I thought was a pretty solid rotation in terms of his bench guys. And then yesterday... With Landry and Ish, it looked like he started experimenting again with guys a little bit. Do you yeah. agree? Disagree? Biz, I, I agree. Biz played the most 15 minutes. Torrey and, and Shamit played 12. TJ, Warren, and Russ played 11. Play, Payne played 9. Ish played 8. So 32 points. Seven made three-pointers out of the bench, but played seven different guys. So that's 12 overall. I don't know if that's where he wants to be, but that's what he did in that game. Either way, four games remaining for the Phoenix Suns. The fourth seed is all but locked up. 
who they play in the first round, still very much yet to be determined. We'll talk about that later when we come back. First, let me remind you, since it's coming up, you can win lower-level tickets for Thursday's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Text the word BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Again, text BASEBALL to 620-620. I said the Dodgers because there's a little enthusiasm. Because the Diamondbacks, for the first time, went into Chavez Ravine and didn't lose a series. Yeah, we're fired up about it. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Now he drops a bunt down first base side. Gratterall tries to glove it, but he missed the ball. One run scores. Carroll to third, and the Diamondbacks take a 2 1 lead in the night. And for the first time since 2018, five years, the Diamondbacks go to Dodger Stadium and don't lose a series. Yeah. For the, How about that? For the first time since 2000. Mitch, you were a young man in 2018. Actually, you probably were. Yeah, yeah, probably college were. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was right. You were playing in a band. Yeah, he was. He was. Diamondbacks, despite getting outscored 20 to 7 yep. in the four game series, mm-hmm. split it because of timely pitching from their bullpen, small ball when it mattered most, a big. Kyle Lewis home run on Huge. Friday night. Huge. Huge home run by Kyle home Lewis. Home run by, on Friday Crush night. Crush that thing. And then that Jake McCarthy RBI single, the bunt drag single after Cattell Marte had already been thrown out at the plate. Thrown in the out of the plate inning. by Mookie Betts. Uh-huh. Who, who, unbelievable. I mean, he's... Lovello so he, challenged it right away, but it, it didn't... I mean, the replay didn't touch the plate. There's nothing to challenge. Not the, but he did. He yeah, challenged he it. He challenged it, but I mean, he had to, but, but it, there was nothing to challenge. I think he thought he blocked the plate. I don't know, but no, uh, yeah, he didn't block the plate. Great throw by Moogie Betts. a hose is what it is. Yeah. They get the split, 2-2. Two, two. It's a great split for them. It is. I mean, listen, they're going to win ways a little bit differently. You know, they're not the Diamondbacks are thinking about a boxing analogy. They're not the knockout puncher, right? They're going to win by, you know, a bunch of jabs. Little jabs here, there. They're going to, they're going to, you, you, you know, you, they can get out slugged. Like, they, you, they're going to get out punched. But the only way to win fights for them is to kind of win rounds with, like, the jab. Win the jab. Move around, win the jab. You may take a couple of big shots. You think about it. The Dodgers had 18 runs and 20 hits in the two games that they won. Well, that's getting hit with some haymakers right there. 18 runs and 20 hits in the two games they won. Thank you very much, Madison Bumgarner. I'll talk about that later. Two runs and nine hits in the other two games. Two runs and nine hits. So from 18 runs in two games to two runs in two games. From 20 hits to nine hits. And, but the McCarthy bunt was a genius thing. Now, he, you know, obviously after Carroll stole the bag, they played behind first. And he said, you know what? I got a chance here. Sure. Lays that thing down perfectly. Diamondbacks win the game. Fantastic Split. I mean, you're, you're very happy with the split if you're a Diamondback fan. Very happy with that split. Yeah, you are. Lavello after Sunday's game, said that was all Jake McCarthy. They didn't call for it in the dugout. Yeah, I thought it was um, it was obviously a very risky play, but our players work on those little parts of the game. We pride ourselves on that. And, um, you know, there's a difference between a win and a loss. And, you know, clearly he saw something. Um, and it, everybody was wondering if I made the call on that. I did not. Those are instinctual plays, and I opened the door for these kids to execute on that level when they see something. We practice it a lot, and they're ready to take advantage of it. For the purposes of this segment, we kind of split it up into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the ugly, we've already kind of covered with the 20-7 to 7 deficit on the scoreboard, okay? They had the rotation. Gallon only went four and two-thirds. Kelly only went three and two 
two thirds. Bumgarner went four. Now Davis, Davis, uh, Davis, was, Davis was strong. Davis, Davis was, good. was good for five innings. Only gave up the one run on four hits. And the bullpen, you know, four different guys went four scoreless. Uh, they were fantastic. They didn't even give up a hit. Or are we putting the rotation in the bad or the ugly? I think the rotation was re- was the, was bad. I okay. think the rotation was bad up until Davies. Three out of the four games, you didn't get what you needed out of the out of the rotation. Yeah. So the rotation was bad. I, I think we can. The offense. We'll t- I'm going to save the offense for the ugly because the offense at times was very very ugly. Let's talk about what was good this weekend. Let's okay. talk about the things that was worked. You mentioned the bullpen. I want to focus in particular, and even though it happened earlier in the series, I want to focus on Dre Jameson, who came in out of the bullpen mm-hmm. when Merrill Kelly wasn't able to go deep in his game. And, and after that game on Friday night, Troy Lavello said Dre Jameson won us this game. There's no question about it. He came in. He was firing that slider. He was getting swing and misses all night long. The Dodgers couldn't touch him. He it, like he's giving you this little taste for what he's going to look like when he's in that rotation. He was tremendous over the weekend. He was, and he's going to be in that rotation because this Madison Bumgarner. We'll talk about Bumgarner later. I know, but like I don't know that how long this is going to last. This experiment uh, with him, it just can't keep going up. But yeah, you got a power arm right there. They got him as a long reliever, right? To, because you knew this was going to happen. You knew that you were going to, especially early in the season when guys' arms aren't built up yet, you're going to have some guys only going three or four innings, and they wanted to keep Jim. Instead of sending Jameson to the minors to start, they said, you know what, you'll get plenty of innings here because you're going to have to come into some games. So he was great in that game. And then this uh, the kid from that was in Japan for McGuff. four years, McGuff. McGuff, man, he, he, was, really good he was really good. Yeah, I mean, he, and even in that game, he was good. He came in with Chafin, and they got the, uh, the rest of the outs. And then McGuff was good yesterday, too. But uh, he's got his first career save yesterday, but he also pitched in that game that Jameson pitched in that you were talking about where Kelly got knocked out early. And, and that was the Friday night game, and I, and I was kind of saving Chafin and McGuff almost in their own category in terms of what was good, because Torrey, you know, we've we've known it all along that Torrey wasn't going to have a set specific closer, at least to start the year, and so far, four games in, two, way, two wins in, and we haven't seen any, and it's been McGuff and Chafin at the end, but it's been all matchup dependent. Yesterday, it was McGuff to finish it out. Friday night, it was Chafin to finish it out. Chafin was hilarious finishing it out on Friday, saying, hey, the louder the better, so I can't hear that little voice inside yeah. my head. It's nice when it's loud, because I can't hear that little that little guy up here who's talking to me when I'm about there pitching. I thought they were both, and I, I imagine Torrey's going to continue with the kind of matchup-based bullpen that he showed so far, at least at the end of games. Yeah, Nelson and Castro yesterday were good, too, uh, you know, before Chafin and McGuff came in to get the job done. So, you know, listen, they're going to have to have a good bullpen, because they're probably Probably going to win a lot of games like they did, small ball games. I don't know if they're going to outslug a lot of teams. So I thought that was interesting. I want to go to the, 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 the pinch hit home run because I thought that that was a, that was a big one. Because Friday night, Kyle Lewis. The Kyle Lewis home run. Yeah, the Kyle Lewis home run was huge. And, you know, th- that was their first win of the season. But one of the interesting things is that, you know, Lavello now has, you could go to Kyle Lewis, you could go to Longoria, you could go to guys that could bat from the right side, and that was a problem last year. They just didn't have enough good right-handed bats. They were very predominantly lefty, so it was nice to see them have that ability. Like, they took in that, to, to start the inning, they had Alec Thomas do up, then Geraldo Perdomo and Josh Rojas. None of them got to play. No. 
right? None of them got to play. I mean, he, he, he batted different guys. So I like the ability to bring in right-handed bats for matchups as well. It, it, uh, it's, the, it's the reason why they altered their roster the way they did, to give themselves that balance, to give themselves that option. If we're going to really fine-tune this thing, I think Christian Walker's at-bat yesterday before the Jake McCarthy drag bunt was huge because that inning looked like it was dead. That that inning looked like it was toast after Cattell Marte. Yeah. And you're up there against Bruzdal Gratterall, who's really, really good, hard-throwing, not a pleasant at-bat. Christian Walker had a real good professional at-bat, singled up the middle, kept that inning alive to allow Jake McCarthy a chance to do what he did after Corbin Carroll was in that fielder's choice and got the stolen base. I thought he was great. The ugly, uh, it was the offense as a whole, Dodgers starting pitching this series, all right? Yeah. 25 innings, 25 strikeouts, yep. one walk, four runs. You see Noah Syndergaard yesterday? I mean, Noah Syndergaard hasn't been the same since he was Thor with the Mets. He was the Angels last year. and uh, One run, four hits in six innings. He struck out six. He didn't walk anybody. That was an issue, too, that I think. Diamondbacks right? I mean, offense, I think, has one, one walk on walk. the year. Four yeah. games. Four games. They've got one walk. I mean, so, you know, you you want to get some free bases, but you're right. The Dodgers starting pitcher pitching, you know, Urias was fantastic. Syndergaard was fantastic. Their starting pitching was really good. They struck out a lot of Diamondback batters. They got swing and miss stuff. They were able to get it. And, you know, for the Dodgers, they walk out of it like, how did we just split that series with the Diamondbacks? Well, you split the series because the Diamondbacks can win some games like that. That bunt by McCarthy puts so much pressure on the defense because you don't have a, you don't have a lot of time yeah. to, like, field the ball cleanly and flip it because he's so fast. You've got to kind of almost glove it and flip it at the same time. So just pressure on the defense. Two and two, you'll take it. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back. If they can't find a trade partner, would the Cardinals take the easy way out with DeAndre Hopkins? There's we, no easy way we out. We all know there's no easy way out. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cuts. DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, some teams probably think they're going to cut him. I think the Cardinals are going to wind up cutting him. Oh, wow. His market, his market is not great right now. And even for teams like, say, like Kansas City... Like Kansas City would need him to take a significant pay to pay pay cut. Yeah, he'd have to be like take the Smith Schuster deal from like right, a year ago. Right, right. So like I, I just I don't I clearly there's nobody that was willing to take on the contract and pay the Cardinals initial price. That's Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated's NFL insider, Monday morning quarterback. He's on our friend Greg Bedard's podcast over the weekend. Shocking. Teams out there think the Cardinals will just cut DeAndre Hopkins. I'm absolutely shocked. I was looking at Mike Jarecki's post earlier today, just what the cap savings would be. Post-June release, 10.5 in dead money on the cap. Cap savings of $19.4 million. Okay. 19.4. It's like you've got this sports car in your house. You've okay. got a sports car. Got a okay? sports car. All right. It's really nice. You try to sell it. Right? So you don't want it anymore. You don't want it. You'll go more economical. You just got an electric car. You know, you don't want to pay for gas. You got an electrical. You're going to ride that all the time. You're not, you don't need the sports car. You're okay. trying to get rid of it. Nobody wants to buy it. Okay. Yeah. But it's costing you money to keep it because you got to pay for the car insurance. Kind of expensive. Got to play for the tags. The play, well, it's kind of expensive to keep it. But nobody wants to buy it. So you donate it. 
1877 cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. 1877 cars for kids. Donate your car today. No, like like you know, I was trying to think like like a like like a garage sale. You got a bicycle, 150 bucks. Nobody buys it at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. It's one o'clock. You're about to close up shop. Just give it away because you don't want it anymore. But that's it's not costing you anything. The car's costing you something to keep. It's costing the Cardinals money. To keep the Andre Hopkins, like it would be if you were keeping a sports car that you have no need for anymore, donate it and write 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 it off, write off the you know write it off. So I think that's that could be where they're at. I can't fathom. I, I mean, can't, I honestly can't, I can't fathom that you cut a great wide receiver in his prime. And, and no, and and I saw this story like you did, and and I I, I enjoy the one eight seven seven cars for kids. Thank you, comparison. Yes. That was funny. Um, if only because that that jingle, it's just people it, people it, are it damning me right now. Like I'm because well, it's stakes it, sticks. Yeah, it's a wonderful cause. It's just just the, like the, the jingle just really gets stuck in your head. Yeah. I, all I could think when I saw this story was this feels like I'm being prepped. For the Cardinals only getting a fifth rounder for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, because we've been, right? And that, that was my immediate thought was somebody is preparing me to be let down when we see the return for the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Because we've been talking about what? A day two pick, a second round pick for two months now. We've been assuming that the Cardinals are going to get a second round pick or a third round yeah. pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I see this story and it's almost like, okay. The alternative is that we don't get anything for him, and we just cut him, and you're going to have to. So isn't it going to be better when we say we got a fifth rounder for him? Again, I don't know if that's but what are you going to do with the cap money? There? Hmm? What are you going to do with the cap money? Well, you're are you pro- gonna- probably roll it over to next year when you're going to be competitive. You're I'd not like to know what are you going to do with the cap money? You're not going to use it this year. You, cap savings of $19.5 million. I mean, you could use it on somebody, but... But you can roll over a certain amount of your cap space from one year to the next. I would imagine they'd roll it over because I don't think there's an expectation the Cardinals are going to be competitive enough to need that cap space this year. So you'd rather just have the cap space and get rid of them for nothing? Try to trade him at the deadline. I mean, I can't believe you can't get anything for him. I can't believe. Okay, what if it's a fifth rounder? What if it's what if it's the deal? What if it's the Brandon Cooks deal that the Cowboys gave up for the Houston Texans? Would you be all right with that? Is that better than nothing? Is that a, is that something enough of a something? Like I gotta be honest, I think I'd rather just keep them. Okay, well, I'd rather keep them. I'll tell you, have the chance that a, a a top wide receiver goes down on a team and they're desperate enough to call me at the trade deadline. Got to redo that contract. Can't have them taking a thirty one million dollar cap hit, or maybe you can. I mean, I don't know. It. it I don't think they've signed anybody it, any money. Kurt Warner this morning on the Bickley and Murata show imploring the Cardinals to keep DeHop. He's such a difference maker, and he's one of the best players in the National Football League. To me, if I'm there, I'm like, well, we need to keep this guy. I mean, like this is one of the best players in the league. We got him in house. We need to. Keep keep to this guy, and I know there's a lot of speculation that they're going to trade him, and it's moves like that, and I know there's a bigger picture. I know that organizations have to look, you know, sometimes long-term and look, you know, four and five years out, but what I know is players don't. Players look at the right now, and they want to know that they're in a position to compete right now and that they can go out there and win because tomorrow is not guaranteed in this league. Now, let's give you the perspective of another NFL insider. This is Ian Rappaport. He was on Pat McAfee's show today. Okay. And they were talking about D-Hop getting cut, and Rappaport's like, I don't think D-Hop's getting cut. I would be surprised if DeAndre Hopkins was released. I've been surprised before, but based on what I know, I would be surprised yeah. if he's... He knows the... He's, yeah, yeah, he's tied in there yeah. in Arizona. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we know that. Hey. It won't be released. Saying, rarely do very good players, and his salary is seems fine. Like, 17? Yeah, it's not player. terrible. He still could be... Tra- 
traded. We'll see what happens. He still could be traded. If he was traded, his salary would be adjusted. Potentially, if he's back, it could get adjusted. We'll see. Um, but I think that situation is still sorting itself out. But could you keep him? Sure. You could keep him. You could keep him and hope that hope that somebody needs a wide receiver at the trade deadline. Yeah. And maybe you've got enough space since you're you're clearly not using the cap space that you've got. I mean, they've got what twenty million in cap space available. I think nineteen, twenty million dollars. Always restructure a contract or two to get him in, under. If that's again, you know, it's not like they. I don't think they have any desires to go sign you know expensive free agents. No, right I, now. I don't They're think they do either. So money, they can so just ride it out one more year with him and try to trade year. him at the deadline. Sure. I, I just it, I, the idea of cutting him for nothing. That would be cap savings for what? To your point, to what end? What do you want to use it for? What do you You're need? You got to get the cap, cap savings for? eventually, anyway. Within the next forty-eight, you know, forty-five months. Exactly. Uh, no, no, twenty-two months. But if you wait, yeah, the next twenty-two months, you're you, going to get cap savings. If you wait until training camp, when maybe somebody else somewhere goes down and somebody becomes a little more desperate, or you wait till the trade deadline, maybe he's an asset you could move. Then, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it but I, I do think the idea of what we thought they were going to get for DeAndre Hopkins. That's gone. But there's got to be a point that's where gone. you're like, it's just not worth it. A fifth-round pick? Well, that's why I'm asking. A sixth-round pick? Is, is, is that, I wouldn't, is I that wouldn't the cutoff it. point? So what, I mean, what is the cutoff point to you? What is it where you would say, that is just not enough for DeAndre Hopkins, I'd rather keep him? I was pretty set on second. I'm going to move that to third. Okay. To me, anything past the third round, a fourth-round pick, I'd just rather keep him. Third or fourth? So you're willing fourth, to go to a fourth? I'll go to a third. Okay, you said I fourth. won't go to a fourth. You won't go to a fourth. So from the fourth on, I don't want it. Okay. Because, again, I would roll the dice that some really good team is going to start out poorly because they don't have a good wide receiver or that somebody's going to get hurt and they're going to need a wide receiver and then I've got more of a market for you. Okay, now do you want to talk? Now do you, your top receiver's down for the rest of the season. Torn ACL. You want to talk now? I got Hopkins. He's having a great year. He's averaging seven catches a game with, with no quarterback. So I would rather roll the dice that I could get something more for him then. Okay, now give me a second-round pick because you're desperate. Right now, they're not in a position of power. They could be, but they're not now. You know the tides change. Yeah. Team gets desperate. Hey, who are we going to get to fill the spot of our number one wide receiver who's done for the year? Hopkins is available, but they want a second. So we got a chance to win a Super Bowl. Give it up. I also wonder, too, and I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to this question, if there were any deals out there the Cardinals passed on because they thought they could have done better. Oh, it's a good question. I don't, we'll, know. I don't know if we'll know. Yeah. I, I'd love to know. I'd love to know if, you know, a month ago, free agency started basically a month, eh, three weeks ago. If when free agency started or right before free agency started, did the Cardinals have an offer for DeAndre Hopkins and they thought, we can do better than that. We'll do better than that. Let's, let's go do better. And they possible. were possible. It's possible. You know? And what did that deal look like? And would they love for that deal to materialize right now in front of them? Maybe. I you always think that. Did the, did the Suns have a good deal for Jay Crowder in, in September, October, November? That was better than, you know, packaging him and then having him sent for a bunch of second-round picks. And, and that's the comp. Can you imagine that we would have had this conversation? We had this conversation for months about Jay Crowder. Can you imagine doing it again with DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, that's what we're, it feels like we're on the verge of. Yeah, we're used to that here. Potentially, now. right? Like, just that we're going to have this conversation for months now. When are they going to move him? When are they going to get for him? Whatever. How much is so it? got sent home. I what, mean, what deals are out there for him? Yeah, that took a while, too. Yeah. Jay, yeah. Jay wasn't the only guy that got sent home here in Arizona. When we come back, tonight's national championship is the culmination of maybe one of the most exciting NCAA tournaments we've ever seen. We'll see if tonight delivers and lives up to that. It's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> the Burns 
Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Eric Theory's got today's Twitter poll question of the day. Hi, Ruby. How's it going, guys? Good, man. How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. I'm moving. I'm moving, so it was a busy weekend. You're, you're moving? You're moving? moving, yeah. Oh, I hate moving. It's not fun. Oh, I hate moving. Did you call friends to help you move? Uh, had some family, had some friends. Family, okay. Yeah, okay. we had uh, no elevator and live on the third floor, so getting that <laughs> oh, mattress. Oh, man. God. It's a tight staircase, yeah. too. It was fun. So one thing about not having friends, nobody ever asked me to help them move. There you go. So that's but a plus. It's a plus to not have any this friends. This is true. Uh, you mm-hmm. know what? I, I mean, I can confirm on both accounts. Gambo, A, has no friends, and B, would have no one to call if he needed yeah. to move. So, so but nobody's going to call me and ask me to he'd, help them move. He'd call me. Is what Even when happen. there's something strange in your neighborhood? <laughs> Who are you going to call? You won't Gambo? have anybody to call? <laughs> the Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters? <laughs> um, I got it. Um, I got it. Yeah, you'd call me to help you move. No, I wouldn't. You just pay someone to do it? I call Moving Team 6, baby. These guys are good. You, you... I'd probably come help you move if you did. You would? Hey. You'd just show up with a box in hand. Probably Ready would. to help. Trouble is, Gambo doesn't drink, and that's one of the staples of calling a friend to ask them to help them move. Right? right. It's like, hey, there's pizza and beer in it for you. I would, would do I would buy would, pizza. Would you, would you do that? Yeah. Well, pizza, but... I would oh, buy yeah. pizza and dot dot dot. All right, you want and beer? I okay. water. <laughs> exactly. I got some lemonade here for you. Not for I got some Lacroix over mm. here. I got some bubbly water. <laughs> you want unsweetened iced tea? I got some soy. I got some lemonade. Yeah. I got some Hold coffee. on, I got some limoncello. Do you want that? <laughs> limoncello. You want limoncello? That sounds vile. Yeah. That's not the correct application of limoncello. Cream limoncello too no, from no, Italy. Gross. Get me the best Italian. Limoncello, you got Andrew. <laughs> the cream, the cream limoncello is better than the regular not limoncello. Not what you want while you're moving anybody, not at all. You guys want to hear the poll question? Yes, we do, please. Oh, I didn't even know we had one. Okay, yeah, we, we do, do have the, one. the music. Sorry, okay, go ahead. Why we play the thing? Yeah. Suns are undefeated in the Kevin Durant era, six and zero. They have four games remaining in this regular season. Are they gonna win out? Your options are yes, no, they'll just lose one, or no, they'll lose two or more of the remaining four. At some point, they're going to have everything clinched. And when they do, they're going to downshift. And when they downshift, how many games are they going to lose? Three of the four at home. Three of the four at home. Um, they're well, playing teams that do have... Oh, the Lakers have a lot to play for. They'll lose one. Clippers have a lot to play for. They'll lose one. I think they'll lose two. Two plus? Okay. Two plus. This one leading the way at 56.8%. They do not think the Suns will remain unbeaten in the Kevin Durant era. They think they will lose one game out of their next four. 31.8% thinks they will win out. Only 11.5% thinks they'll lose two or more. That's the poll question. You can find it at Burns and Gambo on Twitter. Pulled out by Minson. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have the scores on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it I'm in. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. in the parking lot at Texas Roadhouse Saturday, okay. listening to the game. We wouldn't go in until the game ended. Okay. Because you know, my kid had a baseball tournament this week. Seven for eleven with seven RBIs and a three-run homer for Q. Oh, fantastic! Seven for eleven, a three-run homer, seven RBIs. He was cranking this week. Good for him. He had that's a great, great. tournament. Congrats uh, to him. You man. Oh, it's, yeah. That's like a six-something batting average and a three-run homer. Jacked one. So that was good to see. Um. So, you know, we get home. It's a long day. I'm watching the game. But then, you know, we leave to go get dinner. We're going to, like, Texas Roadhouse. 
the game's on. I'm listening to the game. We get in the, and there's like literally like two minutes left when we get in the car. And I'm like, I'm not going in until like, you know, I'm not going in until this plays out. Because I didn't know if they had it on or not. So I listened to it, but I had it recorded. So when we got home, I watched it. I didn't even want to see it on my phone. I wanted to wait till I got home to watch the ending when Butler, uh, you know, great block shot. I don't know the kid's name. Whoever blocked the shot with six seconds left, then San Diego State doesn't take the time eight. They go down the court and Butler just makes the shot. He makes a great shot. No time left. San Diego State wins. Great game. Nathan great game. Mensah, I believe, was what the a, one I mean, who, who He's a hero. Time. That yeah. kid's the hero. I mean, he blocked the shot, which set up the, the Butler heroics. I, I, I'm going to play the play-by-play call again, because listen, right at the very end, I think it's Rafferty who does the, oh, right at the end. It's so, it made me laugh every time I heard it. Pulled down by Mensah. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have the scores on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. Yeah, we all turn into like I don't know, little twelve-year-old schoolgirls when all, we wait. see something crazy like that happen. I, all, did, I did a screaming, you know. Yeah, I did the same. I was watching it live. Yeah. I was on the couch at home, and I think I made a very similar oh, oh. kind of noise. Like right. oh, it, I did it in the car when the shot. I was even, I was just listening to it on the radio. Yeah, it was, and it went in. I was it, like, wow, it was awesome. It was. Oh, and I didn't really. This has been a great tournament, obviously. And this is San Diego State, and this yeah. is CBS with the call. I want to make sure I give credit where credit's due. This is fifth seed San Diego State beating ninth seed. Florida Atlantic. It is in a tournament that has been outstanding, that has delivered memorable moment after memorable moment, and it really has been a great tournament. This is the first true buzzer beater of the tournament. The first true the game is ended really? on. Yes. Even like San Diego State against Creighton. Remember, Creighton had that final opportunity. Final, yeah, where the ball went out of bounds first and then they reviewed it. True walk-off, buzzer-beater, hit the shot, horn goes off, see you later, we're done kind of moment. And yeah. it was it was I was for San Diego State. You know, there's a fascinating, you know, backstory to this whole NCAA tournament, and it really goes to the heartbreak of the 2020 season that got canceled because of the pandemic. I mean, if you look at it, Baylor won the 2021 National Championship. That year, the pandemic year, Baylor was number five in the country. They had a great opportunity. Last year, Kansas won the national championship. They would have been, they were ranked number one when the pandemic hit and it shut down college basketball. And believe it or not, San Diego State that year, they would have been a two seed. Yeah, they were, they were one of the top seven teams in the country. They got five guys back from that team, but that was a team that would have been a two seed in an NCAA tournament in 2020. The season got canceled. Baylor was really good. They won it the next year. Kansas was really good. They won it. Could San Diego State, with five guys returning from a team that would have been a two seed in 2020, can they win it all? Probably not, but they've had a hell of a ride. Yeah, so they advanced to tonight's championship game. Fourth seeded UConn, another double digit win. They fell just shy of becoming the first team in NCAA tournament history to win the first five tournament games by at least 15 points. They didn't quite get there, but they did become the sixth team ever to win their first five games by double digits by beating Miami 72 59. Now, the last Last team to do it was Villanova. They won the, the championship. In fact, every team that has won every game they've played in the tournament by double digits has ultimately won the championship except for North Carolina in 2016 with Chris Jenkins hit the buzzer beater, which, by the way, was exactly the same building in Houston.
Exactly the same building where we saw the buzzer beater over the weekend. So UConn has rolled. They have rolled everybody. Everybody they've played, they've beaten by double digits, and they have a chance to win what would be their fifth championship tonight? It would be their fifth. Yep, it would be their fifth championship. championship. Yep, they've got. Hard to believe they're not going to get it. Since 2014. They haven't won since 2014. Of course, Jim Calhoun, the legendary coach at UConn. UConn's going to be heavily favored. San Diego State, I'm curious to see what could happen if UConn is in a game with three four minutes left and it's like within two three points like it's a close game because they're not they haven't played that type of game that's a good point so if San Diego State can keep it close with their defense excellent defense and if they can rebound the basketball then maybe they can you know maybe UConn can get a little tight in a close game we'll see think about everything that's happened this tournament whether it was Princeton against Arizona Fairleigh Dickinson against Purdue in the second round it was Arkansas against Kansas it was Princeton advancing to the Sweet 16 the great Gonzaga UCLA game that was a great game the day when the two number one seeds fell in the Sweet 16 when Alabama lost and then yes. Houston and lost Houston that same, same day. day. right? And everybody's bracket was done. The great comeback by Miami against Texas. San Diego State beating Creighton on that shot and all the controversy at the end. And then what happened on Saturday was San Diego State's win against Florida Atlantic. It, it really has been one of the best NCAA tournaments I can remember in a long time. Really, really good. I Champ- agree with you. It's been fantastic. Champ- Can't wait for tonight's game. Yeah, championship game coming up tonight. Suns, 6 to know when Kevin Durant plays for the Phoenix Suns. How and why have they been this successful? We'll talk about it coming up. Burns and Gambo.